podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Podcasting to you as always from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny and this is the Anfield Index podcast on which I am joined tonight by Guy Drinkle and by Cam Branch with Carl Kopak off Europe wandering on his travels. So we're going to get started in our time-honoured tradition, which is a little contribution by each of us. And I saw something during the week, a uh, very kind post um, by Jason, uh, who said that, uh, he was saying, who would you want to be narrating your life? And he very kindly said, suggested me as a candidate, which I thought was very nice. Uh, but I've always kind of thought if I was going to have my life story narrated, I would want it to be done by not the actor Nick Offerman, but the character that he plays, Ron Swanson. We've mentioned Ron Swanson several times on this show. And I, I just, there's something about the way Ron sees the world. So what I'm going to play here is a series of three little clips back to back, about a minute and a half in total, which will give you a flavor of the wisdom of Ron. Under my tutelage, you will grow from boys into men, from men into gladiators, and from gladiators into Swansons. Behold, the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include capitalism, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor, crying, acceptable at funerals and the Grand Canyon, rage, poise, property rights, fish for sport only, not for meat. Fish meat is practically a vegetable. Haircuts. There are three acceptable haircuts. High and tight, crew cut, buzz cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? Hey there. Is there a project you're working on? I know more than you. All right. When it comes to government hearings, the only type of witness I enjoy being is a hostile one. That's why I intend to answer every one of their questions with a question. Were you aware that all of the entertainment and food was provided by rec center teachers? Would I have stayed if I knew that? I don't know. Would you have? Would you have? No, I wouldn't have. Did you hear Leslie make any promises? What constitutes a promise? A quid pro quo. Oh, do you know Latin? Okay. Thank you, Ron. Are we done? Every year, I give Leslie the same present I give everyone. And so on. Uh, a little a little bit of Ron Swanson wisdom for the start of the show. Um, big fan of the Swanson pyramid there, I have to say. Uh, the categories are all very interesting. Uh, Cam, how are you doing this fine week? 
I'm very good, thanks, Trev. How are you? I'm good. You're sounding more mellifluous than ever with your new uh, equipment there, my friend. That's very kind of you, Trevor. Big yeah. words. I have no idea what they mean, but I will take <laughs> it that uh, something complimentary about my equipment. In a hundred, well, it's more more your voice, man. It's more your voice. Uh, have you got something to start us off? I do, I do. It's just a quick couple of sentences for you. So here goes. I've put all the hours in and there's a depth to my education. There are a couple of brain cells in there, more than you might expect of a six foot one inch ginger skinhead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I should, should we know who this is? Um... Just think of a certain football manager whose team we might be playing this weekend. <laughs> uh, Guy, do you want to hazard a guess? Is it Mr. Dyche? It certainly is. The man of worms. I look forward to uh, more Dyche chat as the uh, as the, the show goes on. A couple of great uh, little bits of quotes from him as well. Interesting stuff that we can get to later on. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's setting the tone nicely. Um remains to be seen whether this is one of those shows which is uh, us talking about football for the entirety of it or whether it's an, an afterthought but we, we, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, Guy, what about yourself? What have you got for us to begin the show this week? I'm here for the art of cinema. Yes, you are. And I will give you the description, then I will give you the title of said film. <clears throat> A troop of murderous circus clowns are trapped in a tornado by a witch's spell and travel the Midwest destroying everything and everyone in their path while seeking revenge on the woman who imprisoned them. Well, welcome to Clownado. (laughs) (laughs) How many times can they remake the same thing with Bananas Concepts? Oh, this is fantastic. Oh, Clownado. And 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 the, the little details in that synopsis are particularly uh, particularly uh, interesting as well. Mm. You've got to love that. And this is an actual thing that exists, so that people understand. You're not making this up. You found this on the uh, on the Amazon website, right? This is on Amazon Prime right now. You can watch it back to back with Killer Sofa. <laughs> <laughs> what a double bill that would be! And and it, when you when you read those little reviews, is is it a review only, or do they give it some sort of a rating? Or I Ooh, presume that... there are sixty-two reviews. This should be good. Fifty-three percent five star. Ooh. It's got on average on average three point seven. So yeah, the other forty-seven percent is wrong. Obviously, obviously, <laughs> obviously. That that does sound like a classic in the vein that we've become accustomed to from, from you, uh, Guy. I have to say, that's that's a, that's a belter. I'm, I'm going to start looking this up now when we uh, move on because I want to see. The, I really want to see the images of what Clown Ado might look like. <laughs> um, I really do. <laughs> I might be on Google right now. I think you might. <laughs> I think you might. Um, Let's start with, because <laughs> let's face it, there's no way to segue out of that. Uh, so let's start with uh, a little bit of uh, our usual, which is to give you an opportunity to talk about the game that's just gone uh, and a specific aspect of it that you might want to talk about. Now, 
I did this um, a couple of times this week, and I was doing a show earlier on. Um, Jan wasn't available, so we did a show with Jason McAteer. Guy was producing that one, and I had a couple of things lined up that I might talk about with Jason, kind of talking points or whatever, because there were so many of them. Um, and I guess maybe those ones have been spoken about a bit, you know, the various records and achievements and that type of thing. But I'm going to leave it open to you completely, um, Cam. I'm sure, as ever, after a game, there's at least one thing that's sort of crawling around in the branch mind that you want to talk about. So feel free to get the ball rolling for us. Yeah, I mean, we haven't mentioned that um, today. Uh, our other partner in crime's not here, and, um, and Mr. Carl Kopak. And I really wanted to get his thoughts, actually, on what it was like to be in a football stadium with a full set of fans, home and away fans there and how that felt, um, what the atmosphere was like, because it was just screaming through the you know, television set at us. And that's, it's a real shame he's not here today to share that experience with us. Um, and that was one of the biggest takeaways. But um, as he's not here, I don't really want to go down that line. So I would like to focus a little bit on uh, somebody who didn't get in. Uh, enough love from us, unfortunately, on the Nini Kauza show. That was a uh, uh, very kindly asked to be a guest on at the weekend, and that was a uh, Mr. John Matip, and um, ha- how well he played. And uh, in fact, he he was the best defender on the day, and you know a really good performance from him. Um, a couple of uh, no contextual moments in there as well, which is always good and. Uh, it was just great to have Joel back on the pitch, being Joel. Um, you know what? What were your thoughts on that, Trev? Yeah, I, I I I shared something earlier on, which is one of those moments, just one of those mad Joel expressions. Um, and I agree with you completely. And you know what was what was so encouraging for me was that you, you you're here talking about that. Um, in the wake of it being the big return, 301 days we had to wait to see Virgil van Dijk um, wow. on the pitch again, which is, I guess, given the injury, quite a good period of time, but also a hellishly long period of time to be without uh, someone so good. And to be uh, on, on the line with each other here now and talking about Joel, and I think quite rightly so, I think you're dead right to bring him up. I think that's really, really a tribute to that man. And I don't know, Guy, what you thought, but I found it really reassuring that, you know, we could see the strength and depth, at least in that area on the day, because we were able to see Simicus come in and do a job. I think Klopp was very funny. He said that he did well for 80 minutes. And then I think Klopp said, I think somebody pulled the plug, which is probably a, a reference to a couple of cock-ups he made towards the end of the game. But, you know, that was heartening to see that side of things. We are aware, painfully aware, that there's a sort of a screaming lack of equivalent right-back cover although Nico did score a bit of a worldie at the weekend there in a friendly. <laughs> and, you know, I guess you could have Joe or Jordan or whatever right back. But to see Kanate, our new big signing, our only big signing, it would appear, and uh, Joe Gomez on the bench, 
and the two sort of elder statesmen taking the field. That was a really reassuring sort of a, a way to begin the game and to see the team sheet. It made me feel very calm, I have to say, Guy. Yeah, it's very nice considering the season we had previous where you're like, who's it going to be this week? <laughs> yeah, uh, which yeah. toddler is it going to be this week? Which uh, toddler, which yeah. midfielder, Joe, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, it's Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it was great. And I think Cam's absolutely right. Matip was uh, a bit better than Van Dyke. He did look a bit rusty, but as you said, 300 odd days out. You're going to look rusty. And, and Matip's used to coming back from injuries because he does it every three weeks. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. It's great having depth there. Just hopefully it keeps that way because I think he, we mentioned it in the last pod or maybe a couple pods ago. They do all have the in- injury histories now and they're all, all four of them, including Kanata, are coming back off injuries last season. So as long as that depth's still there, we've got four, well, we've got one world-class centre-back, Matip, if Matip could stay fit, I think he would be a world class centre back, and I think Gomez was becoming was becoming one as well, and Canard is potentially one as well. So we could have potentially four world class right backs there in fitness. Um, so that that's just fantastic, really. But yeah, I think my main takeaway from the Norwich game is, and I may just say this to annoy Carl, and probably let's get some John Arnarisa chat going in later on when he listens to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably Naby Keita. Um, he wasn't spectacular by any uh, any degree, but our midfield isn't spectacular, and maybe that's a good sign. I thought he pressed really well. Um, I almost, when I was watching it, and I've heard it described since, a bit genius, but almost a bit more. I was going to say impactful, but it wasn't really an impactful performance. But he seemed. Do you remember when Ginny had those quiet games, but they were like. You just understood it was a good Ginny game. I felt it was a bit like that, but there was a bit more, I don't know, more action, a bit more pressing and stuff like that, whereas Ginny would let other people do that, if you get what I mean. But that that's kind of what I liked from Naby Kate. He, he looked more like a Liverpool midfielder, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%, man. I think that's a really... That's, I'm, I'm glad you went there next, because that was where, that was where I was hoping to push it. And... Um, interesting to see the reactions i think you know with an awful lot of stuff uh societally but especially within football people have picked teams right um whether it's pro or anti a certain player pro Mm. or anti the ownership group and they are just not for changing they there is no nuance they are right, you are wrong. And you could see that play out in the aftermath of the game and the way that people responded to Naby's performance. I'd be very much along the same lines as yourself. And I said on Raw immediately afterwards that I liked what he was doing. And again, I think I'd agree with you that it wasn't that necessarily showy, impactful stuff that he can do, the slaloming runs or the the nifty one-twos or getting in the end of chances. But it was the stuff that we required from him. And Cam, what do you think about that idea of what Guy says about the industrious midfield that we need to have under Jurgen Klopp? And let's face it, when Fab wasn't able to start and we had to pick Jimmy Milner there, you know what you're going to get from Jimmy. And he probably played, I would say, I could be wrong, but just from memory of the game, 
I'd say 80% of his passing, J- James Milner's, was going back the way it was just recycling the ball, making sure it came from him back to his centre half so we could shift the direction of the of the attack and keep it moving and keep possession. So you know what you're going to get from James Milner. Um, Ox had a frustrating afternoon, to say the least. And it was very, very obvious that we were going to need Naby Keita to do what they used to call in the 80s, silent spade work, you know, the kind of unfussy uh, stuff, the unlauded stuff. What did you make of uh, Naby's outing? I thought it was a very controlled performance from Naby. Um, it's like he had a, a set of instructions from the coaching staff and he he stuck to it to a T. You, you, you didn't see those darting runs that you know he's capable of. We didn't see him doing loads of dribbles. We didn't see him trying to do loads of take on. What he did was he made himself available at all times. He was always ready. He was always in space. And I think you've got to remember, if you're expecting a, a firework performance from Naby, look who he was playing alongside in the midfield and look at what they contributed to that midfield performance, you'll realise that Naby was doing the work of not just one other player, but of another player as well. He he was having to take up the the slack that the others were not providing. So I'm not saying they had absolutely all four games, um, but as you said, Ox had a very, very frustrating game. He just could not get in the game, no matter what he tried to do. Uh, it wasn't for a lack of effort. He just couldn't get in the game. James Milner did what James Milner does. Um, James Milner was playing as a six, and he, he's not a six. So Naby was then still having to think about, have I got to cover James Milner in the middle here? And yet he was still doing his work on the left-hand side. So I was quite shocked, actually. I know, you know, ratings are very, very subjective and, you know, you can, you can read too much into it. But then you saw the echo ratings. But I was quite shocked uh, after I, uh, lis- I listened to Rate Don't Hate. And Naby was the same rating as... Uh, that's pretty much what Milner and Ox were, and I, I was, I was very surprised at that. From because uh, I took a week off, Cam. That's why. Is that okay? <laughs> you didn't give him a twelve then? So uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but I, you know, I, I don't think Naby was a a five out of ten. Uh, I do think Milner was a five out of ten. I do think Ox was a four out of ten. Four out of ten. Uh, if I could give a half rating, I would have said Naby was a six and a half. He wasn't a seven. He wasn't because. I think when you're hitting a seven and an eight, you've actually contributed a lot more. You've you've done something in the game, you know, whether it be an assist or or a goal or, you know, despite your performance and then you know, and then your eights and your nines and your tens come in. So I think he was a six and a half. He was he was he was he was good. He he was controlled. He um he did what he had to do, and ultimately, with his contribution along with everybody else. You know, we got we got three points that we thoroughly deserve from the game. There's a lot of talk at the moment, and we'll leave the Oxley Chamberlain debate for another day because I think it was a selection based on the current availability and the readiness 
the fact that Thiago and Henderson weren't available, the fact that Fabinho, um, despite the absence of those two, who would, I think, normally be the three that we go to. So you're talking about the entire first midfield was probably missing. So I think that was a feature. And, and even, even Curtis Jones as well was, was, wasn't available. So I think you're, you're talking about Ox's selection being a feature of that and a half-decent pre-season. So... I'm not sure how relevant the chat is here, uh, and certainly it's worth saving for another day, maybe when we're deeper in the season, uh, and we see how the squad depth is going. Um, but on the far end of the sort of uh, ratings um, pile from uh, Ox would have been Mo Salah, and Mo scored uh, an opening day goal for the fifth successive season against Watford in Fifth, I think. Uh, actually, he scored uh, for Roma in his first season. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Obviously, there you go. Obviously, Cam's uh, is his stato has gone to his head here. But well, I, I think it, uh, I saw it on Twitter. I think Andrew Beasley uh, put it out there. Of course, of course. Uh, but that is in and of itself quite an interesting little uh, um, show of, I think the reliability and consistency of this guy. Um, he's normally going to be credited with two assists and he had that wonderful goal that he scored as well. And we read, um, unless I'm very much mistaken, we read uh, across the media today, I think uh, The Athletic and James Pierce are talking about Michael Edwards working on this contract repo- uh, proposal for Mo, which would be the most expensive in Reds history. Um, and they go on to chat about their rumor and so on, such as the nature of journalism these days, I guess. But we're hoping that that's the case because that was Jurgen's position, wasn't it? When he got a little bit snappy with someone talking about the lack of transfer activity and he was pointing out, look, you know, what do you want from us? We can't afford to spend money like Manchester City, more of which later. We have done surely really good business by holding on to the great footballers that we have, and none greater than Mohamed Salah, a man who I think somehow manages to be underrated among certain aspects of the fan group, despite his incredible brilliance. And Cam, just to start with you on him, I mean, for me, it's the absolute essential is to is to make sure that he feels, and you, you can tell Mo, Mo's, Mo's got a very healthy ego. And you can tell that he wants to be appreciated, that he wants to be the big man on campus. But he's humble enough with it or whatever. He's a nice guy, all the rest of it. But he does like to be the big man, the the fella that everybody looks up to. And he wears that well, I think. Um, it's really important. It's the most important thing to get done, isn't it? To get that guy settled and happy um, and looking forward to a season where he can do the most damage for us. I think he's virtually now irreplaceable um, as a player because who else is going to fit as well as he does in our current team? Who else is going to come in and settle and score consistently the way he does? Um, You know, it's not like we're going to get messy anytime soon he's 34 and has only got a season season maybe or two left you know he's the guy's virtually indestructible he never gets an injury but you know 
uh, so we can count out Messi. Uh, we would all love to get uh, Mbappe in, um, but is he going to produce the the numbers that Mo produces? I mean, for me, the question is now: um, it's it's an absolute no-brainer. He, he give him what he wants, give him the contract because yes, you're selling, but then you've got to replace him. You've got to then find that player. You've got to pay for that player and you know all the drama that goes with it then you've got a settling in period and that could cost us massively i mean so i would say that the the conversation now is is he top five liverpool player ever top three top one where is he where would you place him i think he's our our greatest goal scorer uh, on a consistent basis, uh, if you look at per ninety for the goal scored, I mean, I think Russia, Russia was our, arguably our greatest scorer. He he was my idol growing up. Um, he's what really, really drew me to Liverpool. Um, my dad used to say, I remember, who was never a big fan, he'd see Liverpool have scored and he'd go, Rush, and I'd go, yeah, you know, because it was always Rush who scored. Mo scores more. He's, he's literally, you know, or his goal involvement is much higher. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a debate there to be had. Is he our greatest ever player? Um, I don't think personally he is yet, but I could see him becoming our greatest ever player. I could see him taking that mantle. Well, let's put that to someone that we regularly point out is at the opposite end of the uh, the age spectrum to us. And guy, I mean, it's interesting to hear Cam talk like that. You know, you can fully understand it because you, you you look at Mo's numbers, but you look at what he does in the pitch. You look at the the sort of intangible feeling of 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 having him on the park because you know anything's possible right to the death with a footballer like that. We've seen him do things uh, of that nature that he did uh, at the weekend so regularly. Mm. As Cam says, that it starts to build up and you start to get a feeling of, well, could, could this guy be talked about, you know, to kind of counteract what I was talking about, about, about him being underrated. Uh, uh, those of us who really love him would be thinking about where he does fit in in the, the pantheon of the best uh, attackers we've ever had. You know, obviously, 346 goals is the number that's burned into my head, which I think is Rushy's total. You're going to have to go a long way to to even, you know, be spoken about in the same breath. But certainly he's right up there. I mean, talk about that, but also this contracting is interesting. He's under contract till 2023. Um, he's 29 now, so that would leave him, you know, 31 um, when that contract is up or coming close to it, depending mm-hmm. on what way the year falls. Uh, and, you know, we know pace is a massive part of Mo's game. So, I mean, is there a certain naivety? Just bear with me here. I'm mm-hmm. just playing devil's advocate. Is there a certain naivety in offering him an extended contract at greater terms um, when, you know, that is such a part of his game? And like I say, the facts are the facts. He is 29 years of age, or do you think he adapts and turns into a different kind of footballer in some of the in, in the way that like a Messi did? 
I think he'll I think he'll adapt. I don't I don't think he's overly reliant on his pace now. I think it's obviously a huge weapon of his, but and this is a terrible comparison. But Adama Traore will retire when he's thirty. Because he can only do pace. Yeah. Like, whereas you look at Moore, he's obviously quick, but I think it's more about intelligence. That I think that's probably his biggest weapon for me, because obviously he's so great positionally, he works his bollocks off, he's great finishing when he's not in having one of them games, <laughs> when, when nothing goes in. Um, but I think being clever can extend your um, career a, a good five odd years, and I think that's what more is. And that's why I have no doubt, and, and Cam said it earlier, he, he's irreplaceable. I think we have five irreplaceable players and we've sorted four of them. That's Ali, Van Dijk, Trent, Fabinho, and hopefully more. Anyone else in the team, and some people might gasp Marnie and all that jazz, but we still got away. He had a crap season. Uh, but 16-goal crap season. Yeah, but it's Marnie. <laughs> But that was it's still sixteen goal, which well, was, that, uh, I get, which I was, get that, which I, was the same, which was uh, I think the same or better than the great United hope of Rashford. Yeah, but Rashford's very much overrated. Um, <laughs> but that's a different debate. That's why I said the great. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be fair, he had a good first third of the season and kind of stopped footballing for a bit um, to help the world. Exactly. Um, but yeah, more Mo, I have no I have no doubts about more playing into into his middle thirties at all. I I really don't, I, and I agree. I I just I don't care about money and stuff like that. We we've got the somehow we've got like the second biggest wage bill in England or something like. Well, that's according to Man City's accountants probably. Um, but we've got the second biggest wage bill. We might as well make it a bit bigger with players that deserve these these upgrades. But as I said, I mean, any other player left outside them five I'd be upset with some of them obviously but if one of them five left I'd be like that you can't like even Messi can't rep- obviously Messi will do a lot of what Mo does but physically he can't do the pressing and all that jazz Mo does so that would be ill-suited like barring signing Mbappe who's only done it in, I don't, it's only because he's only played there but he's only done it in league one we, we still don't know if he's as good as Mo know what I'm saying and that that's a 200 million pound player so that that's what we're looking at. If we have to replace more like for like, not not buying a youngster project player, it is a hundred and fifty million to two hundred million pound player. That's to replace more. And this is a per this is a person who's underrated in the general scheme of things. That's how mad it is. It is. It's 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 ridiculous how underappreciated Mo is. I think mm. um, people think and... Hazard's better than him. It's it's it it boggles the mind. Yeah, I Hazard, saw... might, Hazard might be better skillfully. Uh, you know, Hazard is 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 a wonderful player. He, he really is, and he's got a lot of qualities. But ultimately, Mo's got the qualities with the end product. Yeah, and I and I, and I think the I think and availability. One of the well, that's a big one, right? And I think one of the one of the things that is underrated about Mo's game, and I saw a lovely compilation put together, is his passing, which is just absurdly good. I mean, it's that wand of a left foot with outside of the foot spin 
or it's him pinging a, a ball into feet with his right foot, incredible accuracy. He's just a phenomenal passer of the ball, um, which is why he has so many goal involvements or next to goal involvements as well. So it's really interesting. And, you know, I, I, I want to just kind of move sideways out of this because when we're having a look forward to the Burnley game, which we'll do in a few minutes. Enjoying this podcast? Then why not supercharge your support for the Reds with Anfield Index Pro? With around 30 premium podcasts every month, AI Pro offers the very best reviews, reaction and debate on all things LFC. From the acclaimed statistics and deep dive analytics found in our Under Pressure podcast, to the transfer links, scouting reports and fast live reaction shows we record after every match, AI Pro is home to our very best content. With regular appearances by Reds legends like Jan Mulby and Sir Kenny Dalgleish, plus insight from journalists, sports scientists, coaches and psychologists. We'll help bring you closer to the club you love. There's never been a better time to take AI Pro for a test drive. Available on all popular podcast platforms, with free apps for iOS and Android. You can try it absolutely free with no strings attached. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com to start your seven-day free trial now. I want to talk about um, the attack as you, you guys see it and who you think might be in it, because that's going to bring up the Bobby and Jota uh, conversation, and we'll save that for then. But there is an interesting thing going on at the moment as well, where one of the wilder rumours is floating around at the moment. And again, it's just, I know it's paper talk, but it's very strange that it, it just has shown up um, in such across such a, a range of them, I know it's a feeding frenzy, and and, and they, they kind of feed on each other's stories. But the link there today that I saw a guy with Robert Lewandowski. I mean, that's a, a bit of a mad one, isn't it? The, I mean, do you think there's anything at all to that? There was they were quoting Klopp talking about you know. Uh, what a wonderful footballer he was, you know, uh, who, who's the best player he's ever coached. And he happened to, he said it was Lewandowski. Um, it, it had to be him. He said what he's made out of his potential, how he pushed himself to become the player he is today. That's extraordinary. And, you know, uh, I don't know. Do you think it's it's just utterly daft paper talk? Because he, apparently he wants, he's 32 and he's looking for a, a new challenge. Yeah, I think the issue we got uh, with that, it's... Uh... Complete utter bollocks. Um, we're not going to be signing a 32-year-old. I know we went all out and signed a 30-year-old in Thiago, but Laudonski now uh, at 32, he's. It, it's. I mean, he's coming in then as a as a as almost a. <laughs> I mean, he, to be fair, he probably would start actually for a season, wouldn't he? Um, he's incredibly fit. So, um, actually. I'd love him at the club. I'm not going to lie. He's a, he's a brilliant, brilliant football player. Um, but I don't see how that fits into the FSG model of the way they operate. They, they, they tend to be looking for players from like, you know, the early 20s to the mid 20s, that sort of range. That's their ideal buying range, you know, the Jota type age. So, and then develop the player on and, you know, building him up to his peak years and then you'd like to say they sort of let them go but they don't seem to be letting even anybody go when they should be so um uh maybe the fsg model is all over the place now nobody quite knows what the fsg model is anymore um 
it would be nice. Don't get me wrong. It's uh, squad depth, squad competition. But again, we, we, we can't sign a player uh, who's not homegrown unless we move move players on. So assuming that that is just, you know, as you say, bollocks talk, uh, it's it's always entertaining to, 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 to go there for a minute and imagine what it would look like and all the rest of it. But it, as you say, it just does not fit in any way, shape or form um, with what we have seen as the way of working here, especially in a, in a climate where so much money is being handed out in wages, there's no way Lewandowski moves uh, anywhere now for for anything other than massive money uh, on his that, wages. That's the problem, isn't it? It's you know, be, exactly. His wage demands are going to be astronomical. I um, think people see these stories and they think, oh, well, he's going to come and basically play for free because he wants a new challenge. That does not happen. That's that you know that story was being floated out uh, about Messi, and then we hear that he's going to be earning like a million a week or something it's just banana stuff you know and oh, uh, shirt sales Trev. shirt sales yeah shirt sales will sort that right out yeah, yeah. they'll sort that right yeah, because out because every person in qatar has bought 100 shirts yeah of course they have yeah of course they have one one to like hundreds to send out to their pals it's yeah. it's it's, it's it, that 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 line of reasoning is so daft um we must talk about shirt sales later on and if we get a chance to talk about um puma shirt sales (laughs) manchester city's new kit because wow 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 um i i I do i do want to lean into that now in a second but just to wrap up this then there's one other liverpool related story that came up during the week before we go and have a look at burnley and then we'll go wherever we want after that like i say wouldn't mind having a bit of a moan about City and one of our uh, one of our loyal listeners, uh, Adrian Hendricks, put 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 uh, a fantastic link to a fantastic article by a fellow uh, Irishman Ken Early, uh, who's a good lad. I've spoken to him a few times on Twitter um, about City and the signing of Grealish, and I'd be interested to read a bit of that to you guys and get your response to it, but. I do want to flag up this one thing because we, we shouldn't let the, the show go past considering it's the type of show that it is without mentioning it. And I saw a fantastic uh, short interview um, with Jürgen um, who met with LFC LGBT this week, um, specifically uh, one uh, one chap who was representing them. Um, and they were just hashing out this concept of the chant the uh, rent boy chant that was going around um, and addressing why it is something that is part of, I guess, uh, a past that we want to be sort of moving away from and why it is that it's not just a harmless thing. Now, I would recommend to everybody to go and go on to LFC Twitter and watch that eight minutes of conversation between the two lads where you, where you see a 54 year old man um talking uh, openly and admitting you know that things were different in the past and that it's if it's gonna if if, if things are hurtful to people that we need to move away from that we just don't do it anymore he says bluntly i don't want to hear it we should just leave it it's pointless it's useless and all the rest of it and it's just good to see that you can have these conversations and you don't have to be an edge lord. You don't have to take up some sort of ideological position. You can just say, well, if people are being hurt, then it's a simple conversation. If people are feeling as if this 
minimizes them or belittles them in any way, then it's a simple conversation. It doesn't have to be complicated. And Guy, you've probably seen this little interview, and I, I, we 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 criticise the club when there are sort of dodgy steps made. Increasingly, that doesn't happen um, unless it's sort of some sort of financial um, move by the owners. This is the type of thing that the club seems to do well at the moment, and I, I think it's great that that they put it out there. They weren't hiding like you would see an awful lot of clubs doing. Yeah, that that's good to say. I actually haven't seen the interview yet. I will check it out. Um, I did see it advertised, but I didn't realise it was out yet. Um, but yeah, I think obviously LGBT is it Q? I don't know what the technical term. Is. I don't know what the actual term. Is. LGBT stuff is is so. What's the word? It's a particular issue in football. I think, obviously. The taking of the knees opened up the race, uh, racism debate, but that I think that's more of a societal thing. Obviously, LGBT issues are in society, but football, like, there's not. What is 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 it still John Fashion who's still open openly gay? Justin, Justin, sorry, yeah, is he still the last openly gay footballer? Is he? Um, yeah, well, actually, that's a really interesting part of the interview. Right, yeah, okay. I was shocked when I heard that. The, the, yeah, the 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 chap in the interview says that basically there's barely the makings of a full team and maybe a, a, a right. substitute or two in all of world football who are openly mm. op- openly out and 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 that's you know numerically that doesn't work um, was the point that he's making mm-hmm. that's a very valid point. Yeah, so yeah, and and as you said, even the fact that. For years, like decades, it was like, oh yeah, there was only one, ever one gay footballer. I mean, this is nonsense, clearly. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it, it's 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 got to be time to move on and move on quite profoundly and get away from. I think normalizing that and making it okay for people to say, oh yeah, but I'm of a different generation and I didn't mean anything mm-hmm. by it. And I understand that p- position. You, you can you can say that once. But then you've mm. got to move forward, right? You've got to educate yourself in certain terms. Like, yeah. the the rent the rent boy chant. Like, I think I've obviously grew up with that being a chant. I'm, I'm sure you've been um, watched Chelsea games or games involving Chelsea players where that's been chanted as well. And you don't really think about the connotations of it, but hopefully now as a fan base, we we learn from that. But I mean, when this will probably lead on to Burnley as well, because unfortunately what their um, fans booed taking the knee last week. But if I was gay and a footballer, I don't think I'd... I wouldn't want to be openly gay in that situation. I think you look at... And it's not, it is comparable in some ways, but it's not in others. But you look at the racism debate, it, there's so many what-ifs. Like, it's you're going to... Either come across as you're going to come across as a hero or some. You're the first openly gay player in the Premier League for so, so however many years, um, and then you might become a bit of a martyr because then you're going to get all them gimps who boo kneeing. You're going to be like, oh, if I boo him, I'll be homophobic now or some shit like that. It, it's just it's gonna. I don't think society, and this is just this is not anyone who's gay's fault, obviously, but. I don't think society will allow it. I just I think it'll make them a target. 
and that's the sad reality of it. There's too many pricks in the world for for someone to be openly gay com- comfortably. Because if they're openly gay, they should be, or they should feel natural doing that. Whereas they won't, they'll become a target, an e- an easy target, and that's the sad thing. That it's is going dark, to take. It's it? going to take generations. Sorry. Yeah, no, that I think that's really dark. I think it's a really dark thing. I mean, anybody who knows me personally will know that you know. If, <laughs> To say that uh, I have a high level of familiarity with the issue, uh, or not issue, but with the the community, the LGBT plus community, of course, uh, you know, and and it's something that's very sort of near to my heart, and um, it it's a it's it's just grim to hear to hear you so, hear, hear it put as starkly as that, and just give you your tuppence worth on it, Cam. I mean, they come out every year when. The, the the club do something that's a little bit performative like the 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 the, the rainbow yeah. stuff uh, it can be a little bit performative and seem a bit uh commercial you know sort of like a, like a cynical commercial thing um that we're all too familiar with in corporate world um but at least they're doing it right and you see and i know that several of people who I respect have curated block lists based on who responds to that in, in, yeah. in, and in what way. And you, you can, I think, get a, get a lot of toxicity out of your life by having, never having to see that kind of shit. And I suppose I go around in a little bubble where I think it's, everything's fine because um, I think things a certain way and my life experience has led me to think about things in a certain way. But I guess not everybody's like that. And as Guy says, it's tragic to think that we have that little acceptance in 2021 that it would be an issue or it could be an issue and there certainly will bring, as Guy said, the scumbags out of the woodwork. Social media, Trev, um, that's the big issue with um, anybody who would come out the the abuse they would be getting from the trolls and the keyboard warriors, I think it, it could possibly drive someone to breaking point. And that's, you know, we, you, you see the abuse that the three England players got after the Euro 2020 final. Um, and, you know, the aftermarks of that. And I, I couldn't bear to think, um, if a player came out and said, "Yeah, you know, I'm 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 a homo- homosexual or I'm bisexual," or, um, you know, can you imagine if one of the, a player came out and said, "Well, actually, I wanted to have a sex change," or you know, I'm, I'm transgender or something. You know, the world would explode. The football world would explode in that respect. You know, can you imagine if Ronaldo came out and said something like something mad like that. You know, it just. You, I can't imagine what would happen, and that's the scary thing about it, because you you can't you can't imagine it's, it's the volcano erupting, you know, and it destroys the island completely. You know, it, it becomes almost catastrophic, and it it's you, wrong. Do you, do you, you mean for the first wave of people who yeah, were, yeah. who are out and open? It, it, it should have it. Sh- when Justin Fashionu came out in it was the eighties, I think, wasn't it? Was, it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the eighties. When he came out, that should have been the moment that the the door was opened. And 
other players should have followed suit and they didn't and unfortunately you know it's easy with hindsight to say this now uh, a moment was, was lost there so we need that moment again when somebody comes out again you know openly and it needs to be somebody in the big league unfortunately you know La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, uh, Premier League, something like that. And we need somebody to come out, you know, if there is that player out there. And then others need to follow suit because you you can't expect one player to do it on their own. It's gonna, it's 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 a collective. It's a community. Um, they're going to need support, and they should be supported and they should be applauded. Um, for their honesty, their bravery, and for the conviction to live their life the way they want to live their lives. So um, it's going to be very, very difficult, but unfortunately, we're not the ones who have to go through that. Um, The problem, again, is, is the fans in the stadium. Football fans can be vile, you know. They can be abhorrent human beings, you know. Um, and they're they're quick to, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Almost ruin ruin someone's lives, you know, with their incessant chance of, you know, their nasty vitriol, and it's very very difficult. And it's going to need more from the authorities. It's going to need more from the clubs. I mean, you you touched yeah, on yeah, and uh, and and that's. You know, like the rainbow campaign. Sorry, just last thing. What yeah. I'd love to see yeah. is maybe a third kit for a season from all the Premier League teams to be a rainbow type. Have rainbow in the kit. Can you imagine that? And say, look, as as a football community, we are with you. We are here to help you and we are here to support you. And this is what we, you know, we are prepared. To, all right. It, it's... It's a nothing token, it's a nothing gesture in a way, but it's a start. I yeah, just... I think I think you're right. I think you're right. With the there would almost have to be a coordination, but from both the players themselves and support groups for them and the clubs uh, that they're with, and I just don't see that level of organisation uh, getting the energy from the people who need it. And the one thing I would say, it's interesting to hear you talk there, is it, yes, the authorities, yes, the clubs, yes, absolutely. But you, not just you, Cam, but me and Guy and everybody can actually do something as well. I mean, it takes a bit of balls. I, I, I know I've been in situations... A really good example and just to link it back to you know you were talking about the, the 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 race issue i've been in situations where i've been in crowds either at matches or one time really notably we were watching a match uh and you hear comments and it's not easy to be the one that says hey that's not okay mm. but people need to be brave and do that uh, you need to be brave and do that. You need to not be complicit. And it's too easy to be complicit with the homophobic stuff. Just too easy. And for years, people have done it. And it's become a sort of an accepted thing. And especially if you're of a certain generation, ah, they don't mean badly by it. 
you know what? Lying in the sand time, I think. I'm kind of sick of it. I'm kind of sick of the, oh, they don't mean badly. Fine. Okay. Like I said, you get one free, but now you got to learn something. And like mm-hmm. I said, when you can see a 54-year-old man being as eloquent and getting it and as humble uh, as Jürgen in the face of that type of thing, um, everybody can do it. And I hope they do. I genuinely hope they do. And uh, sorry, I know that's quite a heavy thing to be talking about in the middle of the show, but I just think it's important. That's what we're here to do as well as to talk about these things. And that's just, it's just our, uh, that's just my attempt to, to normalize this kind of conversation as well. And to maybe point. It's an important conversation. And 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 if, if we don't have this conversation, if we don't make a start on, on these issues, who will? Yeah, it, it, maybe it might just get a few wheels spinning in a few people's heads and that's all we can do. That's all we're here to do. And, you know, Guy, you mentioned the fact that we've got uh, Daishi's Burnley coming up and that they kind of pointedly didn't get involved in the whole taking the knee thing. I saw, was it Millwall? Um, the, 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 yeah, of, yeah, Millwall of course it was Millwall. <laughs> of, course it, of course it would be, right? And um, they want to educate us now. They want to find another yeah. way to do... Yeah, and, and, and look, Look, I mean, there's, there's, there's probably a semi-coherent argument to be made in terms of, well, there should be other things that could be done as well, but the idea of not doing it is very much a statement in and of itself as well. So, look, it's a complicated one, um, but if it comes it, down to showing show solidarity. Well, no, you, no, it is, it is, Cam. It's a complicated issue. No, no, shall I tell issue. you why? Shall I tell you why? I think it's not, this is not a complicated issue. Taking the knee, that is. It's nine seconds. No, 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 no. I'm, what I'm saying is the whole greater issue is a complex one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And there is validity to the, to the point that yeah. there are other things that could be done that might be even more impactful. But the point is, what, what isn't difficult, what isn't uh, hard to understand is that if you are, refusing to do it you're kind of refusing a show of solidarity in a way and that i suppose is what offends people the most and understandably so and i don't know lads i mean you, you, it's easy then you dismiss entire regions and you go oh, that lot up there and i've were, i've been guilty of it myself a few seconds ago talking about millwall but you know if you keep if you keep seeing repeated patterns of behavior among certain groups of people i suppose that's how cliches start and that's how reputations are built but you know who who knows i i you'd like to think that there'll be some sort of harmony when it comes to that type of thing and uh, that we won't have to be talking about. It. Let's see. Maybe we will next week be talking about it. Let's see. Um, but for now, we can focus on the footy itself. And I, you know, we are quite fond of looking at Daishi on this uh, podcast and talking about him as an interesting character. And I was talking to Jason McAteer Cam a few minutes ago, or sorry, a few hours ago, um, for a show, and he reckons that. The possibly the biggest enemy for Burnley might be the idea of sameness. That basically it's the same crew. They've had very little, if any, transfer activity. They've been around for a while. Same voices, same training ground thing. And whereas that can be good, it can also lead to a staleness. And there were those rumours about Sean Dyche and other challenges last season. Um, what do you think? I mean... I, having seen Norwich, 
I don't. I think they're going to struggle. But Jason's opinion was that he reckoned Burnley were going to be right in there, regardless of the result that we get against them at the weekend because of that factor. What do you reckon? Oh, it's game week two, as they say. And I, I honestly don't know. Um, I know they were possibly looking at signing Aaron Lennon uh, back on a free transfer, but what is Aaron Lennon going to bring them? Um, not a lot, I'd suggest. Uh, where did they finish last season? It was pretty comfortable in mid-table in the end, wasn't it? Um, if I'm right, I don't think they were really near the relegation zone, were they? Come the, come the end of the season. I'll um, tell you in two seconds. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I knew we could rely on guys. They're actually seventeenth. Seventeenth. Wow. Just a wow. Really. Mm, Thirty-nine points. I mean, they, they were safe by eleven points, but yeah, they were seventeenth. Right. Okay. Um, that might put a different light on it then. Um, I think they will still just be safe um, because that they know how to grind out results ultimately. Um, Daish is no mug. He knows how to get the best out of what he has. He is he is a, a half decent manager working with very very limited tools. You know he he's at the complete bottom of the basement there isn't he or the bottom and um i think you i think you'll just just scrape through uh again um you know you you get away with one season you might get away with it two seasons but you won't get away with it for the third season will you um so i think he's had one hit one one year of getting away with it and you might just get away with it this season i think um they always do quite well when they come to anfield so um, it always gives yeah. us a good game. They always give us a yeah. good game. So um, it'll be it'll be a very very difficult game. Twelve thirty Saturday. No doubt about it. And like I said earlier on, that was a a, t- a time that used to be a bit of a graveyard for us. Now that's not so much an issue. And guy, like I'm gonna bring it back to Dicey in a second, but fifty thousand home fans in Anfield for the first time in five hundred and twenty nine days. I mean, that brings its own power and that in and of itself could be worth a goal, um, you'd have to say, because those people are gonna be uh let's just say very, very motivated to support the team to their fullest and hopefully it'll be a beautiful thing to witness. Um but just to bring it back to Sean Dyche, he reckons it's the best form of defence, although it's not easy when you're away from home in the Premier League, especially against these sides, meaning the top clubs, is to attack. So there's Sean's rolling out the uh, cliches for a play to him. It's how many attacking options you can find, how many different ways you can find to attack, or attack enough, of course, to put doubt in the opposition. It's not an easy task, but it's certainly part of our intention. And you know, they have something about them. I know their lineup the last day, this is what I mean by familiar. 
they've got Nick Pope, they've got Loudon and Taylor, fullback Tarkovsky and me are solid citizens at centre half and very threatening on, on set plays. Goodmanson and McNeil on either side, Westwood and Cork in the middle, Wood and Rodriguez up top, who are, again, you know what you're going to get from those guys, uh, and they both have a goal in them. Um, so you can see how they could be threatening, and you can see how they can set up, because as Cam said, guy, they did sort of uh, pose... Uh, a, a, a real thorny issue for us uh, last campaign but the Anfield factor is going to be huge isn't it yeah you'd hope so and I expect it to be as well I mean obviously we had the was it just the, was it Palace we played on the last day where we had like 10,000 or something like that might have not even been yeah. that um, yeah. but this is a completely different animal isn't it um, getting is it is it full capacity or is it like 80% Oh, well, it's it, it's saying fifty thousand, and yeah. So I mean, that's, right, okay. that's, fifty-four thousand is full capacity, isn't it? And so. and, and you know that that just that figure five hundred mm. plus days. I mean, whew, it you is. Know. considering the relationship between the players and in stadium fans, especially like I don't need to list off the moments, even in recent years, Barcelona, etc. It, it is magic. Obviously, the league games aren't the same as the big European ones, but. This should They're be not close. No, but this should be a celebration of being back. So hopefully, it is one of them. Like obviously, it's half at half. It's hard at half twelve in the afternoon because you might still be half asleep or hungover or whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah. it, it should just be a celebration of people returning. But the game itself, I mean, it would have been nice to have a more fun opponent <laughs> um, or an easier opponent because, as as we say, Burnley. Apart from Man City, they don't really get tonked. Like, they never get beaten comfortably, especially with us. It's always an annoyingly hard game where... God, do you remember the one where Alisson basically got, like, battered ba- battered by about four people on a corner and it wasn't given That's as right. a foul? It's like, what... It, it's always... That, cost yeah. us the, that cost us 19... Sorry, yeah, 19 wins at home. Yeah, it, it, it's always stuff like that. It's always Burnley, and fair enough, it, it, it's their style of play. And it, it works, as, as I say, but yeah, I think it'll be a tough, it'll be an annoying game, but I think first time at Anfield with proper fans back, or near full fans back, I should say, um, you just have to win. And, and let's be honest, I mean, if we're not beating Burnley at home, and I know, I, I think the season we won the league, Burnley ended our, ended our win streak or something like that, didn't they? But it, it did. Yeah, yeah. so uh, this that, is a stupid... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was that? I thought that was the year yeah. before. But this yeah. is going to sound a stupid statement because we did win the league when Burnley beat us, but in a, in this early stage of the season, you have to be beating Burnley to be winning the league. I know Man City dropped points at a loss to Spurs, but we've got more than Man City to worry about now this season. We've got Chelsea to worry about. They're, they're playing Arsenal with Lukaku. That should be a gimme. Um, hopefully, I, hopefully I've jinked yeah. Arsenal into winning now. Um, but City, uh, they'll probably end up spending two hundred million pound by the time they kick off uh, and this podcast release all on a striker, and that'll fix their problem of not being able to put the ball away. Um, but yeah, we we need to get our perfect standard back, and having the fans back is hopefully the start of that. Yeah, I think that's right. That's well said. And, you know, I'm looking at the clock here and I would like to have had the chance to talk about City and to talk about uh, Grealish in that article. And I'm going to come to it next show because it'll keep. Um, 
But I want to finish off with it, seeing as we are on a roll, I'll just finish off with a, with a footy related topic and bringing it back specifically to the Reds. And Cam, I'm just going to put it to you as a kind of a, uh, what would you do, if, uh, you know, uh, if you were a coach scenario? We've seen Fab and Bobby come off the bench to great effect. And Bobby obviously got his goal. Diogo Shot had gotten his goal as well. And people would say you know, the comparative performances, maybe Jota wasn't as impressive. I thought, uh, Jason McIntyre was very insightful talking about, well, uh, Jota likes to get in behind and if there's not space in behind, he's, he doesn't look half as effective. I think that's a fair point. Um, whereas Bobby's quite happy playing with his, his back to goal or whatever. He's just, uh, he's a di- completely different kettle of fish. But, I mean, what do you do if you're Jurgen now? You've got both of the lads who've scored a goal. Um, Manny and Mo were so impressive and back to themselves that obviously they're undroppable. Um, who, who's who's the third striker for you that starts? I mean, we're going to assume Fab comes in and takes his place. So that means yes. probably Ox is out. So it's probably Nabby and um, Fab alongside um, Jimmy Milner, probably, yes. if yes. we're being honest, um, until there's more availability. So with that in mind, there's only really one selection scenario that you've got, and that is who do you go with your three and who would you go with? I'll go the player who looked the sharpest on Saturday. And for me, that was Bobby. Right. He, he was just, uh, I thought he was a electric. Uh, granted, it was a, a tiring Norwich team. Um, I did say that in the cash show, I was a bit surprised that Jots came off when he did, uh, because I thought he was actually beginning to then grow into the game. I, I didn't think he had a very good first half at all, um, but I thought he started the second half a lot better. Um, and I would have probably have given him another 10 minutes uh, before I would have considered taking him off. But the, the substitution proved to be absolutely spot on and Bobby was doing Bobby things again. And when Bobby does Bobby things, we tick. We truly tick as a team. And in a game like this, you need... In a game like uh, against Burnley, you're going to need a player who could do something that's unpredictable mm. and somebody who links up really well with front two, uh, the two wide men. And then if you have Jota coming off the bench, he's probably would be our most impactful player that we could have coming off the bench because I don't think he would have as much impact against Burnley. Uh, sorry, I don't think Bobby would have as much impact against Burnley coming off the bench as what Jota would. I think Jota would provide something completely different in in that respect and that it would have the opposite effect of you know uh, what was in the Norwich game so that's hence why I would uh, go the other way around this week yeah I like it I like it I can hear a lot of sense in that as well part of me wants to sort of reach out and give poor Diogo Jada a hug because he's been benched again by you there and I'm thinking he must be started starting to bang his head against the wall if that happens again um but it could well do and I'll finish I'll come back to you Cam then for your finish and your anything you want to sign off with in a minute sure. uh but Guy um we'll go to you after that uh, to finish the show out but for now let me put that question to you this is the last little bit of football chat for the day I mean um you are the coach Who's your front three? Well, I have Jotter in my fantasy Premier League, so... So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's that. That's that. that. Uh, but on a serious note, I, I'd pick Jotter because you mentioned it with McAteer earlier. The knack of just getting a goal. Like, yeah. we need that against Burnley. 
Burnley won't open up like Norwich did. They won't, well, they might capitulate, but they'll still be on the edge of their box with their 200-foot-tall centre-backs. I, I just need one to come off Jota's arse and go in. I don't think that happens to Bobby. Like, obviously, Bobby came on and played excellently last week, but it's still about the knack of scoring them scruffy goals, and I think games like Burnley is when you need that the most, so I, I'd be... I'd be uh, I'd be starting Jota, and I think just to add on to that slightly, I think if Fabinho's back, which we expect him to do, maybe we can release Naby a bit just to kind of bring it back to that first argument we had with him. He was obviously playing much more disciplined, but if Fabinho's back, maybe Naby can be that link man to the attack rather than Bobby. I like that suggestion equally. So I have to say, I'm I'm literally no wiser as to where I go. You've both influenced me. And as ever, I cannot make up my mind when confronted with strong opinions, uh, famously. Well, I suppose we should start wrapping it up. Um, heartily enjoyed chatting about football and football-related issues as ever, but can we need to finish, keep the show to roughly the 60 to 70 minutes that we're used to doing. So what have you got for finishing us out today? Uh, another quote for you, um, and it is, the early music I heard was Top of the Pops. That in bedrooms around the house with my brother playing the Sex Pistols, Sham 69 and the Ham and all these groups that then going into that sort of mod turnover scene and then going into the new romantic scene, the coming of age myself in the mid 80s and into the noughties, it was changing. Sean Dyche. <laughs> Fantastic. I love the idea. He's, we've talked about it before that he's, he's he likes his music um, and he, he knows his categories. That's cool. Um, very nice, very nice, Cam. Thank you very much for that. Um, and before I go to Guy for his wrap up, let me say that the only thing I'm going to contribute at the end here is to say go and try out Anfield Index Pro if you haven't. If you are listening to this for free, let me recommend that you do a seven day trial on Anfield Index Pro. You will like it. The content is of a superior nature. There are lots of good people doing lots of good work. It's kind of unique, and I think it holds its weight, um, and I think it holds its place at the very top of fan content. Uh, I'm proud to be associated with it, and I wouldn't be recommending it if I wasn't. So that's all I want to contribute. And Guy, what have you got to see us out with? Um, I haven't got anything profound or quotey like Cam because... I only have one film a week or I'd burn through. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um but yeah, I mean plugs and stuff from me. I'll I'm assuming I'm on two footed with Dave tomorrow where we do the predict uh, we go through each game and stuff like that. And there's always too much Steve Bruce chat for some reason. Um <laughs> yeah, that that's that's it. Um but yeah, I'll be on that and then I should be back on Rate Don't Hate um after the game on saturday so if we lose i will never be back on that podcast again because we won against norwich when i wasn't there um so yeah that's me i'll be back um tomorrow and later in the week fantastic so lots of good content for you to look forward to you never know where you're going to hear guy popping up he's usually involved in everything you never know where you're going to hear cam popping up what with his uh live call-in show appearances as well as the various other pods that he contributes to as well and sadly you know exactly how often i'm going to pop up with the four or five shows a week or whatever it happens to be so do stick with us like i say give the old AI pro a whirl if you haven't 
and we look forward to speaking to you next week. We'll hopefully have Carl back in the posse at that stage. And like I said, over the course of the season, there will be new voices joining us uh, to make a, a trio or a foursome or whatever. We'll have a nice gang of people here. Uh, we will be shaking it up a bit as we go along, just get different perspectives. And I'm looking forward to that every bit as much as I'm looking forward to the new season. So until we speak to you again, be kind to your fellow Reds and stay safe out there. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.